Hello and welcome to the first episode of season five of the new and shiny 50 plus one football show. We're back and better than ever, but I know what you're thinking. But Billy, what on earth did you do to kill the time between seasons? Well, dear listener, allow me to lift the curtain for you. Lewis, Germany's answer to a goalkeeping question that nobody asked, spent all of the off-season obsessing over Bayern's pursuit of Harry Kane, MBE, regularly sharing Twitter updates from sketchy sources and ignoring his full-time girlfriend whilst responding to her plea for attention with, yes, OK, but you don't understand. He's Tottenham and England's all-time top goalscorer. My summer has been filled with transfer rumours, constant dismay at the incompetence of Manchester United and watching the players I love watching play football move to Saudi Arabia because they just don't have enough money yet. And you, dear listener, I can only assume you spent the weeks between the last season and this one in full black morning dress, crying hysterically to your nearest and dearest, inconsolable that there's been no new content from your favourite Anglo-German football show. Well, dry those tears, sweet listener. Season five starts right now. It's good to be back. I mean, round of applause for that intro. We just have to just sit back and relax dear listeners because your boy billy andrews just dropped the hottest intro on podcasts in general not just sports podcasts but podcasts in general but without further ado as you are still drying your tears we will have a look at the topics for this coming episode and we'll start in the bundesliga where we are having a look at bayern and as billy said it harry kane the hurricane as he is so aptly dubbed in germany has landed in munich and we have a few choice words about the goal record in the premier league following that we'll have a look at leipzig did they just only manage to be Bayern by the skin of their teeth or was there more to it because they did manage to lose to leverkusen this past weekend and of course union berlin they are not a fluke then we will finish up the Bundesliga with a lovely little crazy game. Eight goals between two. Let's put it this way. It's not the teams you would think delivering an eight-goal thriller. Then moving over to the Premier League where we'll have a look at United's full start. Chelsea spending copious amounts and still seeing no bang for their buck. And then we will finish off with Everton. The third season of relegation battles. All that and more right after this. Now then, the amount of obsessing over Harry Kane reached probably my levels of obsessing over transfers this summer. It was insane. You finally got your man after back and forth. Oh, well, if we're not going to offer the money, let's just move on because we're going to end up with Dusan Vlahovic anyway. I then made a foolish bet because I didn't think it was going to happen that <laughs> if they got Harry Kane, I would buy the away kit with Kane on the back. Um, I have since bought the kit and worn it. So I'm a man of my word. But we won't talk about the Super Cup just yet. A goal and an assist on his proper buy-in debut. And Sky Sports on YouTube having a designated and uh, sorry, a dedicated Kane Cam. I mean, the levels the levels of hype surrounding this transfer coming from the fact that you know tottenham while kane was on the way to stansted airport to fly to munich levy was like mm, don't go just yet we've got a couple of uh things to sort out 
And then, you know, he, he then after much back and forth, he lands in, in Munich around, you know, 7 p.m. He signs a contract at like two in the morning or three in the morning, does all the, you know, club media promotional stuff, only to then come on in the 64th minute, two nil down, two minutes later, uh, Bayern can see the penalty and it goes all, you know, the Super Cup pretty much went to shit. But, you know, moving away from that, Bayern finally have, as you said, their man and the much-needed striker up top. And he's already produced with a goal and an assist in his first game, ignoring the fact that he took a photo with Bremen fans in the background after the match, where already the German me were like, maybe someone should, you know, tell him exactly where, you know, the away fans are. But ignoring that, how much hype has there been in the UK around this transfer? Because Germany's been, you know, exploding with it. I think in the UK, it's not been as much since the agreement, since like the official announcement. Yeah. Obviously, there was the big thing. The official announcement happened. He was gone. Because I think a lot of people expected it just to, oh, it's Harry Kane, he plays for Spurs. Yeah. He's not going to go to Bayern. Why would he go to Bayern? He wants that coveted... Premier League goal scoring record. <laughs> uh, which incidentally, I get the Premier League is, is separate to Division One. But if we're talking top division in England, then Alan Shearer is only fourth behind Gordon Hodgson, Dixie Dean, and Jimmy Greaves. Jimmy Greaves has 74 more goals than Alan Shearer. Exactly. And I mean, it's put it this way. People can't start being like, oh, but you have to keep the Premier League separate. You know, ever since uh, it was, you know, renamed from Division One to uh, the Premier League, it's, it's a separate thing. Like, no, because then you can, then you have to start uh, doing away with uh, or making a separation with the titles that, for instance, Manchester United or Liverpool won. Because, you know, with Liverpool, everyone gives them stick for only having won one Premier League title, but they won Division One before that. So, you can't, you know, fans can't have it both ways. You can't be like, oh, okay, for one team, we're going to be like only the Premier League matters. But for the other teams, the Premier League, you know, the separation between Division One and Premier League doesn't matter. And then at the end of the day, as you've said, everyone hypes up this goal scoring record from Alan Shearer that's only in the Premier League. But, you know, as as we just have read out, he's not the top goal scorer if you take Division One into account. And then at the end of the day, if we're being honest, top goal scorer in the Premier League, all well and good. But if that's the only thing you've got to show for your whole career, personally, I I think that any professional player would not be happy or there would be some regret there. Yeah, he wants trophies, doesn't he? I think had he stayed at Spurs, you could probably assume he doesn't want to or isn't too bothered about it. But come on, he's in a league where Bayern have strengthened quite well. Yeah, okay, there's still some issues. But yeah. he's going to score a hat full of goals. He's probably going to win the league. I had a look. This was when he signed. You were third favourites for the Champions League behind Real Madrid and Manchester City. But he's got every chance to win a minimum of one trophy, possibly two a season. Yeah. For however long you have him. So... Just enjoy it because I think it's going to get a lot more coverage in England now. I know Sky have the rights, but they don't really 
do much do with much, them or yeah. they didn't do much with them last season. But they've shown the Super Cup. They had his first game. They're on again this coming weekend. So there's going to be a lot more German football on in the UK and a lot more media focus on the Bundesliga, which is a good thing anyway. I was about to say, I think this transfer also received the hype that it did in Germany because I feel Germany is overlooked in the sense that not because it's a one horse race, but even, you know, back way back when, you know, when Dortmund had that run and uh, had the run of two years winning, uh, winning the league or, um, you know, early 2000s. It's just a stigma surrounding, I feel, that you know, German football has. It's just, you know, no one really likes likes to see German teams win. Don't know where that stigma comes from, but, you know, it's it's definitely there. And to then, for that, and I, you know, the thing is, to then see Harry Kane move to Germany, I think I'd be, I wouldn't be leaning too far out of the window, as they say in Germany, if I said Harry Kane is England's best player right now. Yes, no. Yeah. You could probably make an argument for Bellingham, but Kane, exactly. top, top goal scorer, England captain. The fact yeah. that England captain exactly plays outside of England. And just a, a little side note, we were talking about this at work yesterday. If Bellingham never comes to the Premier League because he's killing it for Real Madrid, if he just stays at Real Madrid, I can't think of the last time a player was a regular in the England team that had never played in England. True. Or sorry, never played in the Premier League because obviously he came through yeah, Birmingham's yeah. academy and played for Birmingham. Yeah. So he'd never played in the Premier League, which is... It's not necessarily a bad thing. You look at the players that have gone up there and done well. Sancho left Man City, went to Dortmund, killed it. So I'm excited for him this season. I think it's going to be good this season. There are some issues (laughs) that need to be fixed by Bayern that were on full display against Leipzig because that Danny Olmo hat-trick exposed a lot. Oh, yeah. I mean, here's here's the thing, right? Looking looking at that performance, and especially what Thomas Tuchel said after the match, where he basically was like, "I don't know, I didn't recognize my own team. Uh, we, ba- I basically didn't see anything that we had trained um, over the course of the um, over the course of preseason training." Um, he even apologized to Harry Kane for the dismal display. Those are things that, quite honestly, a coach shouldn't be saying. You can definitely say, you know, we didn't play well and these things didn't work out. But to say basically that he did, like, it, like it was just a through and through, just unrecognizable, unrecognizable performance, and to start, you know, apologizing to your, uh, to your new signing. It doesn't make it any better. Um, And in all honesty, it kind of just shows that, and this is something that I said, you know, at the beginning was that, you know, we we were both like, yeah, you know, Tuchel definitely has shown in in previous um, clubs that he has an issue with uh, basically dealing, uh, dealing with basically like the personal side of, of the whole game, so to speak, you know, the, the coaching and the management of, a squad in the sense that not you know ta- football tactically speaking but you know the 
um, you know, the human side of things, you know, being able to tell a player why he's not getting picked and telling a player, you know, moderation of how, uh, you know, to have a, a squad of, you know, 35 stars, but only 11 can play, so to speak. Obviously, I know that, you know, Bayern don't have 35 world-class players in their squad, but, you know, you have more than 11 star players who could be playing in the starting 11. And you basically have to show, we have to explain to some players why they're not playing. And that is something that I think was shown again by Tuchel's post-match comments that he isn't as good in figuring out how to, you know, manage a squad in that sense. So I'm still not sure how long he really will last. Yeah, I'm still not convinced he's the man that's going to start this new era because you've come to the end of it. I'm convinced you've come to the end of your of your era. You're not at the end of it yet, but you have come to the end of it and you're going to need a transition into a new one, which is difficult. Oh, and you've seen how difficult it's going to be without Manuel Neuer. <laughs> So when he does eventually leave or eventually retire, you're going to have to replace him spectacularly well. Anyway, let's quickly touch on the fact that Leipzig beat you 3-0 in the Super Cup. I know all of Germany probably hated that, apart from the good people of Leipzig. But a hat-trick from Dani Olmo. Big season for him now to step up because they've sold Fadio, they've sold Nkunku. Soboschloy. They've sold Dominic Soboschloy. So he is that senior figure almost. He is. And I think, you know, he's going to have to lead, you know, the likes of Openda, um, who did score, uh, funnily enough, at the weekend. But he's going to have to definitely step up. I think a lot of people were kind of you know, blown over by the 3-0 win that no one really expected, uh, especially because everyone was like, oh, my God, even Kane's going to even play in this match. Uh, you know, the hype was still there. Um, it was definitely a good display by Leipzig. They were hungry. They wanted it more. That's just the fact of the matter at the end of the day. Um, but then to come on against Leverkusen and basically be running, a, you know, behind Leverkusen the whole match, you know, not really being able to f- find a foothold, you know, even with the fact that, you know, Openda gets his debut goal and, and whatnot, um, or debut Bundesliga goal. It's, it was just too little after the fact that you beat Bayern 3-0. And that's something that I think is just, you know, almost a curse of other Bundesliga teams is the fact that they'll go and perform against Bayern and then the next match that's arguably a more doable task it just goes to pieces. But, you know, make no mistake, Leverkusen, I think, are the team to watch because a lot of people have said, you know, Leverkusen will always be around fifth or sixth in the Bundesliga. I think that is a team gunning for Champions League this year. With the way they've strengthened, uh, they've shown that they're going to keep Xabi Alonso at least until 2026 with that contract extension. Um, he's shown he doesn't want to just use it as a springboard and move to Real Madrid when the when the time comes. Uh, he said he's wanting he wants to stay um, and build something. And you know, bringing in experience, experienced players like Granitschaka, like Jonas Hofmann, to bolster that midfield along with a Florian Wirtz, who I think is only going to get better. That's going to be a very very big team. 
And I think you even have um, kind of uh, taking away from our little segment there, but one of your players to watch this coming season is in that Leverkusen team. Yeah, uh, Victor Bodyface signing from Union saint gilois Not the best record in the uh, Belgian Pro League last season, but he did get six goals in 10 Europa League appearances. And obviously, they've got hopes of playing in the Champions League. They're going to need someone who can score in Europe. Yeah. It's, it's a slightly different setting. So, yeah, I think that's my one of my ones to watch, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he did play very well against uh, against Leipzig as well. Um, you know, it's it's also the fact that they, they managed to not sell too many key players like Leipzig. I mean, obviously, Diaby um, was going to hit them hard. Because, uh, you know, Diaby is just a difference maker. And uh, I think you referenced the fact that Diaby keeps forcing Leon Bailey out of, or he keeps replacing him at, at the very least. But Diaby and Leon Bailey are somehow interlinked by fate because Diaby has not only replaced Leon Bailey at Aston Villa now, he has, he did previously replace Bailey when he left. Leverkusen for Aston Villa. So, you know, a little bit of a uh, follow the leader, so to speak, going on in there. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, but there's a lovely moment when they beat Everton 4 0 at the weekend. Obviously, the injury to Emmy Buendia, Bailey, and Diaby are both playing in the same team. Brings a tear to your eye. <laughs> but let's leave. Leverkusen and Leipzig. I want to talk about Union Berlin. Uh, the thinking man's. Team. Yeah, my favourite team. The thinking man's Bundesliga club. It's not a fluke that they keep improving. No. And Kevin Berlin scored a header of hat, a hat trick of headers, not a header of hat tricks at the weekend. And just a lovely, got the best story, I think, in European football this week. So he's 32, didn't play in the top flight until he was 30, uh, converted from some amateur league winger type into a, a, a possible Champions League starting striker, scoring his first senior hat-trick, and uh, then he cycled home. Because that's what you do? Nice. That's what you do, you turn up, you score a hat-trick, you're going to play in the Champions League this season, and then you just, you just cycle back. Yeah, you, you hop on hop on your on your bike. Exactly, get on your bike and uh, cycle back. But they've made some big signings as well. I was about to say you can't discount the fact that you know they did go out and now sign club record signing uh, Robin Gosens for fifteen million uh, from Inter, which is also a little bit of a Cinderella story because Robin Gosens, you know, he was si similar to Behrens, not although not you know in quite the uh overlooked fashion but still Gorzens didn't really make it in any Bundesliga academy he moves abroad um comes up through the um or makes his professional debut in Holland um or the Netherlands better said and then he makes a move to Atalanta which you know also in for Obviously, you know, Italian or Serie A fans will say they're not that unknown but for most Bundesliga and Premier League fans, 
Atalanta up until a few years ago was an unknown quantity. And already as an Atalanta player, he manages to uh, make a or get a spot in the German national team. Then he gets a big move to Inter Milan. Um, ends up playing a Champions League final where he even said himself, uh, you know, usually I would get, you know, my friends together. We'd throw some steaks on the grill, knock back a few beers and watch the game. And now for those same mates, I've got tickets to the final, even though they lost it to Man City, obviously it's still massive achievement. And now finally, for the first time in his career, he's playing in the Bundesliga. I mean, it just goes to show if you wait for your time, I think your time will come. Yeah, because they, they went for him in January or, or tried to go for him in January and it just didn't happen for him. Yeah. So they've they've got him back and they've also got Kevin Volland from Monaco. Played quite well at the weekend as well. Got an assist. But despite that, despite the constant improvement, despite Urs Fischer winning Coach of the Year, despite champions league campaign that they've got coming up playing in the uh olympic stadium which is a <laughs> massive middle finger to hertha berlin by the way you've got to love it it's like everton being in the champions league and playing at anfield and liverpool have been relegated it's fantastic yeah that's a, that's a very apt analogy actually despite all that the target for the season set by the club Stay up in the Bundesliga. <laughs> there we go. A club of humble means that don't spend outside. League, man. Oh. Hey, if you get to that point, get to that magic number, and then you can go on from there because they're a good side. And I'm really looking forward to watching the likes of uh, David Fofana as well. On loan from Chelsea, yeah. uh, a team with their own goal scoring issues have shipped a striker out. The mind boggles. So let's finish in the Bundesliga with entertainment at its finest. The Bundesliga's back. Augsburg four. Borussia Mönchengladbach four. Entertaining, yes. I'd say it's okay for Augsburg considering they were 3-1 down at one point. Exactly. I worry for Gladbach. Life post-Turam, Hoffman, and as you pointed out, Jan Zoma as well to an extent. Is going to be rough, and I fear for the fans. Really, I'm not convinced at all by the back four and the keeper. Omlin is crap. He did come with a lot of praise. One second. Sorry about that fucking tower saw going on outside. Anyways. Omnin actually did come to the Bundesliga with a lot of praise, and he did have some decent matches for Gladbach since he replaced Zoma. But obviously, yeah, Zoma's shoes are big ones to fill. Hofmann, with his versatility in you know the attacking midfield areas, that's something you're not going to be able to recreate. And he was a regular starter. And obviously, Turam, who's now also joined Zoma, or better said, Zoma joined Turam, at Inter, um, you know, we said that he had some issues, but then again, he also did score, uh, or he was, or he missed out on the uh, 
goal scorers canon last season only very, very narrowly. So Gladbach are missing a solid few goals there as well up top. And, you know, they haven't really done a lot to replace those players. They've made a couple of signings, but it's not, you know, a lot of questions are being, are being asked of Roland Wilkos, their sporting director as well. Um, you know, he's also got big shoes to fill because he he was the one to replace Max Eber, who did so much for Gladbach in the last decade. Um, or I say the last decade especially, uh, because, you know, those were the years that Gladbach was regularly fighting for Europe. And now, you know, they're very, you know, they're in a, they're in, in danger of becoming a team that are, you know, fading into the irrelevant in irrelevant areas of the table. And, you know, speaking speaking of midfield, really. And they're not even close to Europe anymore. No, I think it's difficult. Obviously, Turam, he's in his mid-20s and you let him go for free. Similar with Rami Benzabayini yeah. to, to Dortmund. They've got exactly. that new striker. I'm going to butcher this. Is it Charvantula? I mean, your guess is as good as mine, in all honesty. It's, I haven't been... it's, a, it's a name full of C's and V's and accents. Uh, I will learn it at some point. But I mean, he scored twice. Credit where it's due. Attacking, yeah. I think they're going to be fine. It but, is I mean, just... You said as well there are a lot of, a lot of uh, people you're not convinced by. And, you know, the new manager who incidentally has come from or was at Leverkusen last season until he got the sack there, um, Gerardo Seuan, he was all right at Leverkusen. But, you know, you've said it, 1.57 points per game um, in 56 matches for Leverkusen. It's not so, it's, it's not the greatest points tally if you would expect from a team that are you know have the ambitions that that you know Leverkusen did at the time um which is incidentally why he got the sack and now with Gladbach who you know arguably they want at least European places if not Champions League so exactly and Xabi Alonso with almost an identical set of players doing much better so it's that it's the Aston Villa thing of Gerard versus Unai Emery. Oh, 100%. You know, it just speaks volumes when the same set of players are performing that much better under a new manager. And not just, you know, the new manager effect of like the first three or four matches where they're playing well, but, you know, for a solid amount of the season. And, you know, Xavi Alonso didn't just come in three matches before the end. He was there for the majority of of that last season. So it's it's... And now he's even got the time to, you know, have his say with signings, um, have a full preseason. And I think, yeah, you just see the the difference. It's night and day. Especially when you think about the fact that Gladbach and Leverkusen have arguably had kind of like the same uh, ambitions in the Bundesliga, if you will. Yeah, you, there's almost parallels between them, but one's gone yeah. up and one's gone down. It's exactly. It's ridiculous. And we'll finish the Bundesliga for week one of the Bundesliga with our choices. You've already heard mine, Victor Boniface at Bayer Leverkusen. And if you haven't seen it, check out the announcement video because they played each other in the Europa League last season, Leverkusen and Union Saint-Gilois. And he swapped shirts with one of the Leverkusen players. 
And in the announcement video, he had the last season shirt on. And they went, no, 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 no. Have the new one. Pan up and he's wearing the new home kit, which is black with a red cross. It's fantastic. But Lewis, I'm a big fan. Big fan. Who is your choice um, for player to watch? I'm going to go with uh, Lois Openda from RB Leipzig because, you know, he, for once, a German team that sells players for a lot of money. And I mean, you know, if you're looking at the fact that they got 70 million for um, Sobuschloy, they got, I think it was 53 million pounds or 65 million euros um, for Nkunku. Um, you know, it's, they got a lot of money in and they reinvested a lot and signed Openda for 43 million. Uh, so, you know, it was, it was one of those things as well for me where I was like, finally someone in Germany gets a lot of money, but also reinvests that money right away into replacing, you know, the big name that they've missed, which I think you can't say the same for Dortmund. If we're really being honest, um, when looking at Be uh, Bellingham, uh, but that's something that we will look up look at in our transfer episode or transfer roundup after the window closes um openda is just you know he's a fast striker arguably they almost signed someone who has a similar playing style to nkunku and you know scored right along right on his bundesliga debut um also one thing that stood out for me was this insane touch that set up a uh, counter-attack for Leipzig against Bayern in the Super Cup where he basically just took the touch right out of midair, one touch around the defender and straight to Shabby uh, Simmons, I think. And um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of talent there, obviously, um, but also the potential to put that talent down on the pitch effectively for Leipzig. So he would be my pick for the player to watch the season. Well, there we go. Two strikers, one from Saint-Gilois, one from RC Lons. But now, let's take a look at the Premier League. So, Bill, should we just get the problem child out of the way? Manchester United had a lot of hopes, especially with the signing of Mason Mount for £65 million. Big money signing, obviously. But if we're being honest, the midfield trio of Casimiro, Bruno Fernandes, Mason Mount, where you basically have one six and two eights, hasn't really looked like it's producing all that much. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it, no, it has not. It looks so exposed. And the fact that Wolves, who are in absolute disarray, you know, Yulin uh, yeah. Lopetegui left three days before the season started. They can't buy anyone because they've got all this financial fair play difficulties. They ran through us. You know, Mateus Cunha played the game of his life. Was so unlucky not to score. But it's too exposed. It's um, ridiculous. We looked more comfortable with Sabitzer or Fred or McTominay in there. And the comparison with that is that Eves Basuma, who we knew was a good player from his time at Brighton, but it hadn't happened at Spurs, looked unreal under Ange Postacoglu on Saturday. You would do better, I think, to have two sixes and a ten 
or a six and eight and a ten with that eight coming back more and more and more. When I was about to say it, so something similar to let's say like the Bayern 2013 model where you had Schweinsteiger and Javi Martinez, Schweinsteiger playing a little bit more of a forward role in that double six, and Martinez really just doing the dirty work, and then uh, in front of them Thomas Müller or uh, you know sometimes even Tony Kors um, at the time playing on that number 10 uh, position. So that you basically have like an interchangeable deal. Exactly. Exactly like that. I think, I don't think I know Rashford struggles to play as a striker. It just doesn't work. The downside of that is it places a lot of pressure on Rasmus Hoyland before he's even played because everyone goes, oh, we'll just wait for him to be back. Yeah. And then we can move Rashford out to the left wing and all our problems will be solved. Because A lot of pressure for a 20-year-old, yeah. A lot of pressure, but the opening two game weeks, uh, only Newcastle and Brighton have created more clear-cut chances. We've got like an expected goals of 4.6 or something and scored a goal from a centre-back who was up in the box for some reason. So, you know, Rashford can play left wing fantastically. Garnacho, yeah. as much as I think he's going to be great, is still a bit raw. He's really struggled to affect games. Wolves, he was awful. Spurs, he looked better. A couple of shots away. Should have had a penalty for a handball. But, you know, because Wolves didn't get one, we didn't get one. So we'll call that one all. I mean, yeah, I think... It was it was kind of funny to watch Ten Hag in the press conference try and explain away the thing because even me as a goalkeeper, you know, looking at the way Onana jumps into not just not just a Wolves player but two of them, uh, he just doesn't get anywhere near the ball. And if you just jump into someone, like you know, it's a foul all day. I'm not going to try and justify it because it should have been a penalty. Um, yeah. But so should United at the weekend. So I'm not. Clearly, I don't understand what a penalty is anymore. <laughs> I mean, put it this way. Uh, well, moving away from the penalties. There have been talks of Amrabat for a while from Fiorentina. Uh, had a great World Cup, by the way, uh, with Morocco. But also talks of Gravenberg. Now, those two players... I think are two different types of midfielders. Amrabat more along the lines of Casemiro, you know, an actual holding six. And Gravenberg is more of a technical player who Thomas Tuchel has even been quoted as saying should be moved to a more offensive role. You know, we're talking number 10 even. Um, do you think either of them would help in that midfield or is it something that you know ten hag just needs to get right for the balance and you have the right players you just need to get them to gel better i i think honestly in an ideal world you get both you pull the trigger on the amrabat deal and you'd get graven birch on loan probably with a look to buy because he started six games for Bayern. He's clearly not in the plans of of either yeah, manager. He's, he's fourth he's fourth in line for a starting spot in midfield right now. Exactly. You know, had 
Marcel Sabitzer stayed, he probably would have been fifth. Yeah. So, ideally, you'd have both, but you can't do that because we're under financial fair play pressure. Let's say that. Not restrictions or anything, but we need to offload. I mean, just so, also for squad value, you don't need Fred, um, sorry, McTominay, uh, you, you don't you, you don't need that many players in there. You know, you've got McTominay and Donny van der Beek, who both are central midfielders, in addition to Mount and Fernandez and Casemiro, and then you would bring in Amrabat and Gravenbeis. It'd just be, you know, too many players, period, in that midfield. I mean, I spoke about the ideal world a second ago. In an ideal world, Donny van der Beek would be the best um, number eight in the world by now. <laughs> and I wouldn't cry every time I think about him. But it hasn't Ooh. happened. It hasn't worked. I just have to accept that and move on. I'm not going to be upset yeah. if we get rid of McTominay because I, I like McTominay. He's a good player, but he's not clearly not what the manager wants. He's not the he's not the type of player who's going to make a difference when it comes down to crunch time in uh you know in Europe, for instance. If if they're if we're talking about a Champions League quarterfinal or even round of sixteen, I don't feel. I I don't know, but we've got Dino, Martial, Maguire, McTominay, and Donny van der Beek all available if offers come in. The problem is some of those players, Maguire particularly, which is the reason that his move to West Ham fell through. They'd agreed to thirty million. I was like, okay, we'll take the we'll take the hit. Take the uh the, the small fifty million. We'll take the fifty pound million hit. pound hit. Shut up. <laughs> um, but because the difference in the disparity in wages, we currently pay him one hundred ninety thousand pounds a week. West yeah. Ham were offering him a hundred. I thought it was a hundred. I know it was one hundred and twenty thousand euros then, probably. But yeah. yeah, but he wanted a windfall payment from United of about <laughs> seven million pounds to offset the difference in wages. Like my man. Have you not got enough money? That that's also not how football works. If you move to a different team, you don't get you, you don't get a a severance package basically for the wages that you won't make. It's well, that's not like hired. You get if, you, if eh. I took a job, let's let's say I take a job with the BBC. Okay. And I'm on five thousand pounds a year less. I can't go to ITV Top Brass. Oh, I'm I'm going now. I don't work for you anymore. But could I just have like 30k to offset the difference in wages that I'm going to be losing in my time at the BBC? It doesn't work like that. It's so stupid. Like you, a severance package is there. For instance, something that Hassan Zaidihamid is going to get because they have officially terminated his contract at Bayern. He's getting six to eight million euros in severance, which is still <laughs> Come insane on. amount. But you know, I guess you—it's better than paying him. His, I'd be uh, hated by—I'd uh, be universally hated by a fan base for six to eight million euros. Oh, hundred um, percent. But the thing is, you know, it's—it's it's so so unbelievable. You know, I—I I understand, and I'm also definitely in agreement with the fact that Maguire, the amount of stick he got, especially the social media trolling, like it's a bit much. I, it, you know, yeah, he, he's had some, 
you can almost call them like donkey-esque uh moments in in matches where you you know where he where it, it comes off uh you know his own his own teammates uh arm and he's you know appealing for a handball and things like that and it's just there have been some brain dead moments but um you know as much as the trolling is too much there's still been a definite decrease in quality of performances put in by the guys so at the end of the day if your performances aren't getting you the amount the the move or i mean it's because it is down to his performances his performances aren't getting him the moves that he wants or the money that he wants that's not united's fault so for the fact that that deal didn't go through because he said i wanted the offs i want you know the payment by united basically the severance payment to offset i think it was over the course of a four-year contract because he would be making seventy thousand euros less it would have been a 14 million euro uh difference in total or some something crazy like or, or no no it would it would have been such a big difference that he wanted 14 million in total and united were as far as i know even willing to make give him a six million uh severance payment you know because that's how badly united united want to get him off the wages or off the wage list and you know for for that now to have gone through i mean i think the united brass must be kicking themselves well it's all to do with the old regime i blame ed woodward and i always will blame ed woodward <laughs> he may have left my club but his incompetence still punishes me to this very day but and let's leave on. a team under financial fair play pressure they can't spend disgusting amounts of money to a team that are spending disgusting amounts of money and still have less points than Manchester United. Before we do, uh, I have hope because last year we lost the first two matches of the season and then a year ago today beat Liverpool 2-1. So let's you leave did that. also lose 7-1 or 7-0 to Liverpool. Shut up. Um, Shut up. <laughs> in the same season. Shut up. <laughs> um, Shut okay. up. But, but let's leave that. Yeah, let's talk. Billy, why don't you take us through the insane amounts of money that Chelsea have spent? Because I believe you have the figures right there to read out for us all. I do indeed. So, Todd Bowley, American man. Uh, questionable knowledge of football anyway, <laughs> took Chelsea over in uh, May of 2022 in a, in a deal uh, for around £4.25 billion. Pounds. Okay? Since then, since then, they've spent £945.6 million on players um, and I have the numbers here, if you'll indulge me, because I'm quite stunned, staggered. Oh, please do. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> they have 11 wins since he took over. And they have 24 players that they have signed. So I spoke about the FFP pressure. 
that's on United yeah. doesn't seem to be on Chelsea. And they do this thing at Chelsea now where they offer a ridiculous contract lengths. So Robert Sanchez signed from Brighton for 25 million on the, the lower end of the spectrum for a Chelsea signing. Very low. He's on an eight-year contract. So they can spread that 25 million over eight seasons. They can do installments per season for eight seasons to break that up. So that is okay in the short term. Doesn't work out in the long term if those players don't work out. I'm not talking Robert Sanchez for 25 million. I'm talking Enzo Fernandez for 100 million euros. I'm talking, let's give an example, Moises Caicedo for 115. I'm talking Christopher Nkunku for 64 and a half. Mudrick for 100 million. Yes, Bart Simpson for 100 million. (laughs) Uh, Financial fair play, they only dock the clubs for contracts longer than five years if the club is playing in Europe. So, let's just... Let's indulge the conspiracy theorists for a second. Pinfoil hats on, ladies and gentlemen. We're going deep. (laughs) And that is the fact that Todd Bowley may have figured out that loophole because, I mean, he already figured out the loophole with said long-ass contracts and spreading, you know, the... the, transfer fee over the in in the installments as you've just said it wouldn't be so far-fetched to figure that todd bowley had figured out this loophole as well and told chelsea basically tank the league so that to the point where you don't have european football anymore last season so that this season we can do a full re or this summer we can do another rebuild where we can keep putting players on said long contracts to be able to spend more and more money. Now, to use your choice phrase, I think that's grasping at more straws than a wanking scarecrow. Love that phrase. Oh, it is it is a great phrase. But anyways, I'm I'm I mean, I'm not trying to give too much, you know, meat to that theory, but if you're going to hire Frank Lampard, you get all the conspiracy theorists you deserve. Yeah. I, I will it say one thing. That far-fetched. It wouldn't I, I'm just going to say it wouldn't be that far-fetched for the fact that he keeps using loopholes. I wouldn't put it past him. I think it is still like, you know, that you're going to have to go or you're going to have to go pretty far to actually prove that for one thing, but also, you know, to believe it. But it wouldn't be the most far-fetched thing I've ever heard. I think it's... Uh... It's incredibly far-fetched. To say one thing in Todd Bowley's defense, kind of, uh, he doesn't look like the man with the mental capacity to come up with that loophole. Um, It was was an opportunistic buy, obviously, because Abramovich had to sell the club. Um, We will try and get Louis back on uh, for the hat-trick ball to talk about it because we spoke about we spoke to him about it in January didn't we yeah where he was talking about Todd Bowley and his transfer dealings I'd love to get him back on and talk us through them now when it seems to be going wrong because they've got a point <laughs> this season and... I, know, I know we're only two games in but come on the West Ham performance was absolutely shocking you pay 115 for Caicedo a player we know is very good 
because he's been yeah. fantastic for Brighton, has one of the worst appearances on a, a, that I've ever seen. You know, he, he was he, his passing was off. He gave away fouls. He gave away the penalty that made it three one. I mean, put Just, it this way: I think as much as Caicedo had a great season last season, to spend one hundred and fifteen million on a player like that who's had maybe max two seasons at the very, very best of his career. I mean, it's the same thing. I already said it with Mikhailo Mudrik, who's basically, you know, his his highlight reels for, you know, a club, with all due respect, that is not anywhere close to a, a top five league. His highlight reels might look good, but that's not going to help you in the Premier League. And to spend 100 million on 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 him, Makala Mudrik is not worth 50. In my opinion, neither is Caicedo. Caicedo, you can maybe get maybe in this market you should have been getting 15, 50 million for him. But 115, that's that is outrageous. That is, I mean, to be fair, Brighton probably know that he was nowhere near that. You know, in terms of uh, of what you could be getting for him. But at the end of the day. As we've seen with Spurs and Harry Kane, the club that you know has that player under contract has all holds all the cards at the end of the day. So you know Brighton are well within their rights to put up any price that they want, and you know they've gotten the price. And I think your the statistic you gave me was uh, it costs 101 million pounds to build Amex Stadium, and they basically paid that off with uh, the Caicedo deal. So. Yeah, I I think I will disagree with you on that one though. I think Caicedo is worth that money. I think his ceiling really? is I think his ceiling is ridiculously high. I, you can't compare it to Bellingham because I think Real Madrid did one over on Borussia Dortmund with the Bellingham deal, only paying eighty eight million pounds for him. So, so that's where I think I think in today's market that was a good deal, and the Caicedo deal is just way overpriced. But I think yeah, Premier League tax does exist because they earn so much more True. money through TV revenue. True. You mentioned that the Amex cost 101 million pounds to build. Um, Chelsea have currently paid 202 million, so double that to Brighton in for players. That being yeah. Mark Cucurella, Robert Sanchez, and Moises Caicedo. They've also paid them 22 million pounds. The staff, uh, obviously Graham Potter, Bruno Saltor, Carl McCauley, Paul Wynn Stanley, Ben Roberts, and Bjorn Hamburg. Jeez so, Christ. the good people of Brighton, uh, all the success they're enjoying off the back of their fantastic scouting network, because we've already seen the likes of Julio Enciso, Caro Mitoma. I think the only thing that hampers Mitoma is that he isn't the Japanese wonder kid. He's not 19 and doing this. He's 26. So he's not going to go for like north of 80 million pounds. No, no. But give, still. It a, give it a couple of years. Julio Enciso and Evan Ferguson will both go for north of 80. Yeah, 100%. But I think one of the things is, um, you know, if even if you if you take a look at, you know, the, the trajectory of the players since, obviously we've only had Mark Kukurea to kind of bases off of. But his first season at Chelsea was woeful for the fact that he was a player who went for 62 million. Um, you know, if 
that's anything to go by. I I don't wish it on for the players um, because that just wouldn't be fair to them. Chelsea as a club, at this point, if you spent a billion on players and it's not working out, every time Chelsea drop points, I throw a small little party. That's just how it is. Like, I'm sorry, if you if you spunk that much money and then you don't get anything from it, you reap what you sow at the end of the day. Well, I mean, the money that they've paid to Brighton, you could have champagne coming from the taps. And exactly. would, I mean, Brighton must, Brighton literally right now, in my head, I just have that scene from uh, The Wolf of Wall Street where he basically showcases the script that you use to sell, you know, the, the BS stock. And Brighton basically is Jordan Belford in that situation because they're, I mean, they've had Chelsea's pants down with all three of the transfers getting a ton of money for three players. I mean, I'm sorry. You can you can you can praise Kukurea and Caicedo as much as you like, and Robert Sanchez as well. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, one second. Well, yeah, you can, can praise them. Hold on, hold on. Oh, sorry. I'll yeah, I'll just edit that out. You can you can praise them as much as you want, but those three players getting 202 million pounds off of those three the, the the negotiators at brighton are insane what struck me robert sanchez wasn't even brighton's first choice keeper exactly so who knows they've since lost kepper and they're buying a, a keeper for 14 million from God knows where. I don't really care. It's, it's but, shambolic. We'll finish on Chelsea with a with a little stat because we love stats here. Start for stats moment income. Start for stats moment. The one all draw to Liverpool. You could ask the question why they bother playing because they've drawn every match since August 2021. That's seven matches. That does include two cup finals, which again were draws. Liverpool would, uh, won those on penalties. Come on. I mean, what you'd have to argue. Why do Liverpool struggle against Chelsea? Who knows? But let's leave Liverpool. Let's leave Chelsea. And let's talk about Everton because it's going to be a third season of fighting relegation. And honestly, I hope they go down. They need to. It's kind of like um, like Hamburg at this point. You know, they've avoided relegation so often. It needs to happen for them to finally have a, a rebuild of that club. Well, they've got this plush new stadium they're meant to be moving into next season. Can you imagine playing Millwall in that new stadium? They tear the fucking seats out. I mean, the best part is that in the the direct you know opposite of that is happening where you know Luton Stadium. Is now a Premier League stadium. You know the amount of memes that have come out of that, like the the players or Premier League players getting sent off at Luton's home ground just so they can sprint across the street and enjoy a nice cup of tea at Barry's or, or in Barry's living room and finish off a game on TV. I mean, it's it's great meme potential, but you know, well. 
here's the thing. Everton are a very poorly run club. Yeah. For such a, a traditional founding member mm-hmm. club. Spent over half a billion pounds since 2016. That's more than Liverpool. Jesus. And they have very little to show for it. I mean, they're going for Shea Adams. Yeah. Okay. Who's uh, who's an okay striker, but he's relegation fodder slash championship level at best. Mm-hmm. Jack Harrison, who they've got on load, is such a such a championship player, such a an awful Premier League player. Ashley Young, I love you, Ashley, but he's he's too old now. Yeah, he's too old. Dan Juma was okay for Bournemouth. Was okay for Villarreal. Dog shit for Spurs. <laughs> um, they've signed this young centre forward, uh, Chemiti. I don't know anything about him, but surely that's a baptism by fire. Yeah, joining a club like Everton and Wilfred Nonto, the Italian winger from Leeds, handing in a transfer request to potentially join Everton, only to be relegated again. <laughs> I, okay, I get you want to play in the Premier League, but surely there are other clubs you could join. I was about to say he's been he's been touted as one of the big Italian young talents. Like it's it, ridiculous. Surely and... there are more Premier League players who would jo- join the hype train, especially you know Premier League teams, the way they they eat hype up like that. You know, see Mikhail Mudrik, see basically any big name transfer in the last few years. Well here's the thing I like Sean Dyche as a person as a manager he's the one you bring in to put the fires out if you start a season with Sean Dyche you're essentially setting your own fires yeah and then you don't have the firefighter to bring in because and then he can't be there to put them out because they're they're a problem of his own making yeah so it's going to be a rough season for Everton I think they'll go down but let's finish on a more positive note. <laughs> this uh, first season, uh, this first episode of <laughs> this first episode of season five, with our prem players to watch, uh, and mine is Musa Diaby, former Leverkusen man, now at Aston Villa, already showed what he can do. Yeah. What about you, Lewis? Who are you picking to set the Premier League alight? In all honesty, I think uh, Dominic Soboschlai might get overlooked in that Liverpool squad, but he definitely has shown, and I mean, you know as much as I do because he was one of your favourite players in the Bundesliga last season. He's definitely shown at Leipzig what he can do and that he is a special player, but he still has some, or his ceiling has still not been reached yet. And I think, you know, now making that big move, he's definitely, you know, he went from Salzburg to Leipzig. That was already a pretty big step, but he managed it. Um, now he's gone from Leipzig to Liverpool, even bigger step, but I think he'll manage it. Me personally, I thought the step came a season too early. Like if he had gone next season, I think it would have been maybe marginally better. Um but then again, Liverpool this season aren't playing Champions League. They're playing Europa League. So the expectation is not as high, if you will. Um, so I think, in all honesty, Soboschloy might just be the guy who, you know, you don't think is going to be starting every match for Liverpool, but could surprise a lot of people. 
before we before we finish, before you tell the good people at home where they can find us, I've got a little anecdote on Dominic Schomachloy. Oh, because Fenric Pushkas had such small feet for a man. Uh, Hungarians in football they tend to favour players with smaller feet. Obviously, yeah. you, you pick them in the in the build of a of an icon. So yeah. his dad used to make him play football in smaller boots, and he's only got size seven feet. That's that's insane because he's not that short. No, he's quite a tall man with size yeah. seven feet, but yet he's so poised and balanced. It's probably Jeez. the reason his dribbling so good because he's so balanced on such small feet for someone who's nearly six foot tall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and now I've mentioned that you won't be able to stop noticing it when he plays. I was about to say it's like it's like uh, Joey and Friends. How small yeah. are your feet? Exactly, but I think that's probably a good place to end episode one. That is very true, Billy. So we have kicked off the season. I did mention the transfer episode, so keep your eyes peeled. Come September first, or in the days afterwards, we will have a rundown of the big name transfers in the Premier League. We did have a couple already or a look at a couple already in this episode but we will give you the complete overview so you won't just get a bunch of harry kane and christopher and kunku noise you will get all of the good stuff but as we have said in the seasons before our handles have changed in comparison jesus christ do that bit again but in comparison to the previous season our handles have changed. So we are now 50 plus one sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you will be finding all the latest news, transfer roundups and such. And also, of course, the promos to the latest episodes that we will be releasing. And of course, make to check out the 50 plus one football show now on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.